Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. I don't really know how I'm supposed to feel at a military museum, particularly those that have gardens of comically oversized missiles and tanks. The Bulgarian National Museum of Military History in Sofia is one of these museums, but Bulgaria is a country that has spent much of its recent military history buffeted and whiplashed by bigger powers. And that makes for a different experience wandering through these giant tools of war. Hello, my name is Diana Kostova, and I'm a director of museum marketing, public relations of the National Museum of Military History. The museum was established in 1916 in the course of the First World War. So the first exhibition that came to the museum were directed straight from the front line to the museum. The first one is probably not so interesting. It is a document, but the fifth one was a crushed airplane. Mm-hmm. Actually, and it is uh, displayed in our permanent exhibition even nowadays. And it can be seen as a way to remember these terrific days of uh, the war. The time frame of the museum's modern galleries, a campus of buildings in the middle of that garden of military hardware, actually begins much earlier than World War I, in the 4th millennium BCE. The museum displays the sweep of Bulgarian history since then, in which the Balkans have played host to a dizzying array of battles, conquests, rebellion, and centuries of rule by the Ottoman Empire. By 1914, Bulgaria, liberated from Ottoman rule, had recently fought in the Second Balkan War and was about to enter World War I. Bulgaria entered the First World War, and it turned out that we entered on the wrong side, because at this moment Germany was telling us that choosing Germany will be the thing that will bring us justice, and that will give us these territories that we lost in the Second Balkan War. Instead of displaying the sweep of the events of World War I, an exhibit called The Little Man in the Great War divides the Bulgarian First World War experience into four overarching emotions. Hope, what you hold on to, self-preservation, and collapse. So this is our previously launched exhibition. It is called The Little Man in the Great War. And the idea was to show the fate of the ordinary people, the small people who actually make the army, because the army is not the commanders-in-chief, it's not the generals, it is these numerous people without names who actually perished at the battlefields. And they all had families and they all had their hopes. And our idea was to show their emotions during the war. So here we begin with the very first emotion when the war was declared. It was the hope, the hope that this war is not going to be a long one. A hope that choosing Germany will bring us justice. A hope that at the end we will be victorious, we will have what is supposed to be ours, we will go back to our homes alive at the end. This was probably the most important. The next emotion is hard to translate into English. There isn't actually an equivalent in English. It is upovanie. When I try to explain it, it means the things that you hold to. We wanted to show that even though it was a war, the wife didn't stop. There were weddings during the wartime. The people were writing letters to their loved ones. Then comes self-preservation. And it is about all the ways the soldiers had to keep them sane. And it was the friendship that formed in the front lines. 
they tried to do these very temporary houses to resemble a little bit their homes. They were planting flowers or here you have watermelons, <laughs> for example, at the front line. Some of them had pets, like the snow dog. They were making theaters at the front line, just to keep the spirit of the soldiers a bit higher. And finally, collapse. We finish with the collapse. The collapse of all illusions, the collapse of all hope. The entire cynicism of the war. So here you see this young, beautiful boy. Actually, in our permanent exhibition, you may see him again. There he's displayed as a symbol of the Bulgarian heroism of all the patriotic idea that even the youngest wanted to carry guns and to defend what was right for Bulgaria. But here we try to show it in a different perspective. To say, okay, but this is a boy. It is a child that it is in the front line and it is not how it is supposed to be for a child. We have all these eyes that are looking at us with some sort of a blame yeah. that we as a humanity made this happen. Wow. So it's not a happy no. exhibition, we may say. The Little Man in the Great War is really effective at telling a historical narrative through emotions. It works because you as the visitor are experiencing the emotions in chronological order, in the order that ordinary Bulgarians would have felt them during the war. It's a powerful contrast to the very inhuman tanks and missiles just outside. Other galleries in the museum also highlight the sentimental and emotional in the middle of conflict. Bulgaria fought for its liberation in the 19th century against the Ottoman Empire. One of the chief strategists and martyrs of the Bulgarian Revolution is a man named Vasilevsky, widely considered to be a national hero. Our museum uh, displays his hair, which is kind of strange probably from a foreign perspective, but he was a monk and it was him who cut off his hair when he decided that he doesn't want uh, to serve to God anymore. He wants to serve to his people, to their freedom. So he cut off his hair and he gave it to his mother and said, you should keep my hair because one day probably I wouldn't have a grave and you may need to bury my hair. And it was what actually happened. She didn't know where he was buried, but she gave his hair to the country. And now there are so many little children coming to the museum and paying respect to this item. Other galleries deal with more recent history, like the Bulgarian experience in World War II, which Kostova describes in similar language to World War I. And once again, we chose Germany. And we didn't actually have choice. We made uh, this exhibition three years ago now about the Second World War, and we named it uh, the war that we could not avoid. But the idea was that this was the war that we never had the chance to choose whether to participate or not. And because at the moment that we signed our participation in the Tripartite Pact, actually German troops were already marching inside Bulgaria. So it was either with us or either under us. And this uh, Second World War turned to be this uh, point that changed everything in our history because only three years later, in 1944, another army was at our border. It was the Soviet army. And once again, we didn't have the choice. We were trying to, I don't know, to declare neutrality again, but it wasn't an option at the end of the war. And we didn't want uh, to declare war to Germany because many, many Bulgarian soldiers were surrounded by Germans. And the Soviets were marching on our streets mm -hmm. three years after uh, the Germans. 
and it changed the political regime later mm-hmm. on to communistic uh, regime, later on to socialistic one. It's important to remember that the official narratives of Bulgaria's entire military history were pretty lopsided during the socialist period, up until the political collapse about 30 years ago. Since then, the country and the museum has had much more room for nuance in describing the motives of historical actors. The missiles and other pieces of military hardware are still there, but so are more emotional historical narratives. Our main mission in the museum nowadays is to try to to tell the story with all, all the versions that are possible to be displayed. When you learn when you are young that there are different points of view to history, it is much easier when you grow up. These days, probably, especially young people, don't have the idea what war is. They think it is something cool, that it is done for the right causes, and that if you do it for the right cause, which is your right cause, of course, then you're a hero, you're very brave. And they're missing all of this, and we just wanted to show it. In just two weeks, Museum Archipelago will reach 50 episodes. To celebrate, I'd love to hear from you. To get on the 50th episode of the show, record yourself saying where you listen to Museum Archipelago and why you keep listening. You can say something funny or, if you insist, something heartfelt. Then send me a link to your recording using the contact form at museumarchipelago.com. If you'd prefer to leave a written comment, that's great. I'd love it if you wrote a review on Apple Podcasts. It feels good to get to 50, and it's all thanks to your support. So thank you. This has been Museum Archipelago. If you like episodes like this one, help me continue doing the podcast and get some fun benefits by joining Club Archipelago at patreon.com slash museumarchipelago. For more information or to submit feedback, visit museumarchipelago.com or museum underscore go on Twitter. Next time, bring a friend.